Hello everyone and welcome to the new edition of My Inspiration, a podcast series from HMV. In this series we give musicians, actors, filmmakers and writers the chance to take a welcome break from talking about themselves and instead talk about their greatest inspiration, someone who has been a big influence on their lives and informed their own work. I'm your host Tom Goodman and I'm delighted to welcome you today to our latest episode. I'm joined by producer James Forian and today's guest. Our guest today kicked off his career with a role opposite Denzel Washington in Queen and Country and alongside long-standing and much-loved roles in EastEnders and Prime Suspect, has made a career commanding British action films. He's perhaps best known for his role as Pat Tate in gangster saga Rise of the Foot Soldier, but he has also spearheaded hit thrillers like St George's Day, Breakdown and London Heist. He supplemented his acting work with a role in one of the world's biggest computer game franchises, appearing in five instalments of Call of Duty, as well as Battlefield 5 and the forthcoming Squadron 42. His next venture is Villain, which comes out at the end of the month. In the film he plays Eddie Franks, a man who is trying to reconnect with his family after his release from prison, only to be dragged back to a life of crime. Please welcome Craig Fairbrass. Lovely to meet you. How's it going, all right? It's going very well. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, promoting the film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to do the best job we can. Because it is a little... I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. It is a little gem. Yeah. And I very rarely big up my own stuff, but it's, it's a cracking film. It really is. Have you, have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah. How did it kind of get pitched to you to get involved? Because obviously there's a thing you're known for and it's... Uh, I worked at the, the producer, Bart Raspoli. He put me in a film, uh, the lead role in a film called Devil's Playground about 10 years ago, like a zombie film. I played a character called Cole chasing Mayanna Burin, the actress... Um, it was the first time I played a big, tough geezer who had a, an Achilles heel, a weakness, an emotional weakness, you know what I mean, which made him a little bit more interesting than being a one-dimensional tough guy. Um, and then Bart came to me ten years later and said, listen, I've got this script, I know you're smashing it with the foot soldier films, they're getting you know, a lot, a lot of business, they're number one on the downloading platforms, have a look at this, tell me what you think. And I said to him, look, I don't really want to do another gangster film, not gangster per se. He said, but this is not. He said, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Anyway, I, 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 he pinged over the, the script and I read it and I was, I was just blown away by it. I really was. Just a human story, it's heart. Just the, just, the, just the character of Eddie being this geezer who, who has this, you know, he's, he's, he's done his prison, he wants to change his life around, but inside of him is this monster that is there that is suppressed, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was just interesting. And I just signed on straight away. I said, listen, we've got to make this film. You get to play opposite Robert Glenister. Who, yeah, yeah. F- fantastic actor. It's funny because there's a scene in, you know, one of the scenes in the film, like George Rosso was watching it on the monitor and he was looking at me saying afterwards, you know, it's, it's so weird to see you in that position, laying there. Because you, it's usually you dishing it out, but to see you cowering and in that, he said it was just unreal. Which is another thing why, because I, I wanted to play that type of character who... Because I see it as like a mix of shame and a history of violence. It's like that someone who don't want to know anymore trying to make his life better, trying to reconnect with his daughter, trying to help his brother, trying to get his family back into his world, and then, you know, having to 
deliver on what he does best. And a bit more vulnerable than the stuff you... A lot more vulnerable, yeah, yeah. I was going to get onto that, yeah, the, the vulnerability of him and trying to get that across because obviously the characters I've played have always been these type of fellas. But this gave me a chance to do that and, um, and, it, and, it, and it worked. There's also muscle that you've got coming out as well, which has had some pretty good early reviews. Oh, some amazing early reviews. Yeah. Oh, and I've had some amazing early reviews. It looks like I've written myself. <laughs> <laughs> which is so refreshing because um, when I signed on for that film, Jared said to me, you know, be prepared. You're going to, you know, from the rough cut, he said, it's going it's to work out for you, this. And I was, when I sort of finished cut, I was really, really pleased. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's... It's, a, it's another really good film, really good. Some of the change of pace, it's a bit darker. and Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a psychological thriller about, uh, you know, toxic masculinity. It's about the gym world, the ups and downs, the underbelly, um, the dark side of it, you know. I know you can meet, you can meet the wrong person in the gym, mm-hmm. you know. But it is a, it's, it's so original, it's similar to villain. Um, I just found that. I know it's an easy... You look at that story and you go, yeah, it's been told a thousand times, but it's there's still something quite refreshing about it because of the family element. And then when the violence does come, it is horrific, but it is in context with the film. And The Fourth Foot Soldier came out earlier this year. Yeah. Is that going to be the icing on the cake? Is that the end of that, or is there a plan <laughs> for a bit more? I don't know. I mean, they're mentioning things now. To be honest with you, I was going to give it... You know, I did three, and it went really well. I did four, and I was going to... You know, that'll do. Um... But, you know, I love the love days. Um, I love the love days. <laughs> I love Andy. I mean, it, it, and he turned out a cracking film. I mean, it was like number one for three weeks on all platforms. It's just, it's just it, they perform so well. There's an audience there that love them. And each time we've done them, we've changed them completely. They've never been like a generic a, a copy again of the same churned out story. We've made them, like number three was really dark and violent, um, and four's a bit fluffy. Mm. You know, is a, is a, I don't know if you've seen them, but they're, like, quite yeah. c- comedic. Yeah. You know, the funny side of it. So, I mean, there's clearly an audience for it, like you said. Do you think it's an audience that's not being served by what's in mainstream cinema and what's coming out from Hollywood? Oh, no, definitely. Definitely, 100%. Because I get enough messages from people who are massive fans of, 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 Brit- of British... You know, you can call them gangster films, you can call them crime thrillers, but there's still an insatiable appetite for the for the, the homegrown London thriller if they're done well. So what is next for you? Have you got your next project kind of locked and loaded? No, I haven't. I've got a couple of things that are sort of percolating, you know, just sitting there, you know, trying to get money. Uh, yeah, I'm just reading some stuff, but there's a couple of things that are sort of moving forward. And I'm trying to be a little bit careful, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, I've had a free offers come through and uh, that I'm not you know having conversations with Bart and everyone else and the producers are muscle I'm just trying to if I can if I'm lucky enough try and just stick with just to see for the time being see if there's any more of that type of gear about you know and computer games is that still sort of ongoing or that's an odd one they just they just pop up out of the blue you know are they fun oh they're great yeah yeah, I, I really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, a computer. I've never, I've never played the game. I'm not really that knowledgeable about the, the whole thing. But um, I've got myself into troubles by saying the wrong thing sometimes. Because mm. 
I'm all too old for that. <laughs> my boys play them. <laughs> so we got yeah. you here today to talk about um, your inspiration. So do you want to tell us who you've chosen? It's got to be um, because genuinely it is who, a man who had a massive influence on my life and gave me a lot more confidence than I was walking around with at the time. And that is Mr. Sylvester Stallone. So what was your first introduction to Sylvester Stallone? Is it Rocky? Is it Escape to Victory? When did you first kind of uh, see it? Rocky. Yeah. yeah. Were you grabbed yeah. immediately? Oh, yeah, massively. Yeah, yeah. I fell in love with the geezer, I thought, you know. And then reading about his, you know, the history of him writing the script, what he went through to try and get the money, the ups and downs, the knocks, you know, and sticking with it, wanting to replace him and sticking with it and making a film. Um, and the rest is history, you know. If it weren't for that film, I don't think he would be where he is now. No. So and is that, that, is that also the film that made you think, I could do that, I want to do that? No, it weren't, funny enough. Um, I watched a lot of films growing up. Um, I think when I watched First Blood, First Blood had more of an impact on me than Rocky, I think, because I, I, was, I was a bit older then. Um, I just loved that film. It was so refreshing, it was so different, it was so new. And he was so good at it, you know. Um... I just love that one man against the system thing, you know, yeah. one man on a revenge mission. Those films, I just, apps, I'm obsessed with them. Where uh, did you see it? I mean, do you remember where you saw it? I saw it in town. Yeah, yeah. I always went to the pictures to see them type of films. Yeah. Yeah. Actual cinema, I'm just trying to think. I think it might have been the Odeon Marble Arch because it was a big one then. It's gone now. Um, so is that you and your mates, you and your parents, you and your dad? No, I think it was me and, me and my wife, funny enough. Oh, really? Yeah. When I was, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm because I'm a, I'm a massive. We used to go like twice a week, yeah. you know, in the days of going to, to the cinema. You know, I've just mm. any chance to go and see. You know, it was the days of Predator, mm. you know, First Bloods. Yeah. It was that type of stuff. You know, what was it about his performance that grabbed you? I mean, do you think sort of immediately thinking, you know, this guy could really command this kind of film? Because not everyone can. Yeah, do you it. want a war? I'll give you a war. Yeah, you know, it was that. I just loved that. I'm just fascinated by films when, when, when men are pushed into situations and they, because there's nothing more exciting, you know, when you, when you an actor like Stallone, you sort of know what you're going to get, but you can't wait for him to do it, if you know what I mean. Mm. And with First Blood, because I'd read the book, I was like, oh, this is going to be unbelievable. It was just him waiting for him to, 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 to flip. Um, and then all of that business, you know, taking them out one by one, I just mm. thought it was just a phenomenal film. So when did you kind of decide that acting was what you wanted to pursue? Um, I was about 15, 16. I watched a lot of films growing up with my dad. You know, I grew up with the Mitchums, the Lee Marvins, the Bronsons, the, you know, I was always drawn to more of the masculine-type actors. I just felt... And I, I suppose dreaming and just thinking, you know, I'd, I'd love to do that. I'd love to be an actor. But that, that kind of actor dominated the thing rather than kind of Brecht or Shakespeare? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I wasn't interested in that at all. I wanted to be one of them geezers. I wanted to be... And as I got older, I got a little bit more physical. Um, and then at my first audition, proper audition, for Queen and Country, they needed someone physical to be the, the, the villain with Denzel Washington. And I ended up nicking the role. And I thought, you know, that whole visualisation thing of, of seeing yourself every day and constantly chasing that dream of, of visualising yourself on a poster of a film. I did that every day for, for, for donkeys. You still do it. And then all of a sudden it happens. 
how did you kind of psych yourself up in those early days for those roles? Because it must have been, it's a life unlike you lived at home, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just, if it's on the page, isn't it? I mean, and, you know, where I grew up and the type of people I knew, and I, I didn't find playing villains hard. Yeah. You know, I just found to, to, the key was just underplaying them, not giving it the big one, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. Did you learn that as you go along? Was that something you had? I sort of learned it early doors because I, I used to watch people playing villains and thought, oh, I didn't really buy him, it was fucking shit. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then I'd watch other fellas playing villains and they kept it very, very tight. Do you know what I mean? And I thought, well, I like that style. And I started doing it myself. <laughs> I was lucky enough to do it on film and it worked. And obviously, like, having watched Stallone kind of grab like those and command those kind of action films, what, how much of kind of what he brings did you take into what you do, you think? Um, well, the, the funny thing is, when I met Stallone... Um, after I'd been through the mill trying to get that part in Cliffhanger, because <laughs> um, it literally was. I mean, I know you, I know it's only a small part in a big film, but when they see like hundreds of hundreds of actors, literally, for them roles. I mean, if they're casting seven bad fellas, they see the world. <laughs> it's not just Hollywood. You know, it's London, Germany, Morocco. Mm. Anyone who's an actor, they'll see. So it's a big deal to get a role in a film of that magnitude and. When it got down to the wire, it was like a two two months process. And uh, when we got down to the wire, it was down to Stallone. He had the the final say on the last group. Um, so I'm forever in his debt for him turning around and going, "I'll take him." You know, it's quite a, quite a big deal. And I and I shook his hand and thanked him when I met him. What was he like? He was lovely. Yeah, you know, I don't want to drive the geezer mad. You've got fucking 400 geezers a day trying to make small talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're, you're trying to... You're just trying to be normal. And, but I had a couple of really one-on-one times with him in the gym. And I've said this a thousand times, but he said to me, Craig, look, you've got a lot going for you. You know, look in the mirror. You know, get out there and sell it. You train, you look after yourself, just keep doing what you're doing. And that sort of stayed with me, that discipline of going to the gym. You know, not smoking, not eating shit food. It just stuck with me. Um, and I think it helped me because the discipline of training and working out, running, doing anything that you, you lose breath and sweat is a, is a, it's a massive high. Do you know what I mean? It gives you so much confidence. And I came back to England, I was like a new man. Yeah. I was ready to tear heads off. Do you know what I mean? I was <laughs> like, ah, I just want to get in now. <laughs> What are your kind of memories of making Cliffhanger? I mean, did it kind of live up to everything you thought it'd be? Oh, more, a million times, a million times more. You know, remember, it was six months in Italy, um, and it was the days of the big facilities. It was like, you know, 100 lorries, helicopters back and forward, massive lights. You know, we actually took over Cortina. Mm. There was like three, four hundred people there. It was, it was incredible. And it really gave me an insight into, you know, the big... Big Hollywood films, and they and but they are very difficult to get. I've done a couple more, but they're they're hard to get, you know. But you come back and you bring that, and I try to sell myself similar to him for many years. You know, I did okay. I, I did a lot of a lot of you know low, low budget stuff, and I'm under no illusions now. You know, I'm an actor who I'm in the industry, I'm in the game. I'm not at the top, but I'm not at the bottom. I'm in there, and I'm I'm and I'm, I'm doing shit. You know. And, and some good stuff now. I mean, Muscle, London Heist, even some of the foot soldiers and, and Villain, they're, they're, quality, it's, it's, they're quality gear. How does British productions like that compare to the big Hollywood productions? Oh, you can't compare them. 
know what I mean? But what I found out through the, the, I mean, I've done a lot of films now. What I have found out, money don't mean anything. Money just gives you more toys. Do you know what I mean? Better talent, uh, bigger stars they can buy. But when you're working on something and you've got the main thing, which is an amazing script, and you're surrounded by good actors, and you've got the cameras, the lenses, and the and talented crew, and everybody cares about what they're doing, because no one really sees what goes on behind. You're only left what is left with on that screen. And, you know, a lot of the times, you can really smash it home. You know, like we've done with Villain. If you look at the film, the, 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 you know, the cinematography, the, 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 it's a gripping, it's gritty. The music's great, you know, the, the, all the performances are there. It's, it's, it's a gripping little film, you know, if I say so myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, my uncle, what was it like on Cliffhanger kind of watching Stallone work? I mean, did his process surprise you at all about the way he'd kind of command a set? Uh, well, literally, what you, just, what you just said, he would command a set. I remember we were doing my scene, um, my football scene, and he'd come in and change loads of it. You know, he had that power and clout. He's, he's, he was in command, you know. But when he, when he walked on the set, he walked on the set. He, he is that man. You know, massive presence. I mean, kind of watched him growing up, especially in a, you know, a film like First Blood, which is a very violent film. Having then made films like that that do are violent films, were you surprised about kind of how that was captured in, you know, in movie making? You know, how you go about making a scene like that, how you get ready, how you pull it off, and what makes a scene that's really punishing versus one that doesn't look quite right. Yeah, well, I had a lot of my... Most of my stuff was cut out when it first mm. got re- released yeah. in Cliffhanger because they said it was it was the most overtly violent scene in the film. Even you had people getting stuck on rocks and stakes. Mm. But because that's fantasy violence, it never really... No-one really cared. But because I was giving it... Uh, and kicking him in the face mm. and stamping on him and... They, the critics were really, uh, the censors were really against that. So the full version never really came out for a good 12, 15 years, I think. Yeah. What's it yeah. like kind of getting ready for a scene like that? I mean, even now... There is no getting ready. There's not. You just do it. Yeah. You, you do it and you make it as real and convincing as you possibly can. Because I know when I'm doing violent scenes, I can tell if it's not right or if the fellas, you know, someone you're working with, it's not right. I want to make it 100% real. Do they get easier to make as you get more experienced? Uh, yeah, because it, I, it boils down to what I was saying to you earlier on about, you know, not overdoing it. You know, all of that close stuff and the eyes and the being in there and not on the wides, I tend to find it's much more powerful. I mean, in terms of Sloan's career, have you kind of followed the later periods of Creed and the later Rambos yeah, and the of Expendables? Course, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Been impressed? Yeah, I just love him. I just think he... He's bulletproof for me. Do you know what I mean? He supersedes everything. He's just got that. He's Stallone. You know, I watch him, even watch him in The Last Rambo. I was like, you know, he still gets away with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he still gets away with it. We always ask guests kind of what people think is a gem that people skip over. So what's a bit of his career that kind of gets ridden over? What do you think his film is that doesn't get the credit it deserves? I would say, I've got to be honest with you, I mean, I thought, I mean, Cliffhanger was his comeback movie. And I thought it was his one of his... I'd say it's his best film. I think he's great in that film. You know, he's got the emotional turmoil, he's got everything, he looks fantastic. It was a great film. So for me, I think it was Cliffhanger. I really do. Have you watched it recently? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't date. Yeah. People message me all the time and say, I just I watched Cliffhanger. Can't believe he was in it. it, it, it's, it it's not dated. 
And the reason why it's not dated because it's in the snow. <laughs> they never yeah. date yeah. film. Yeah. The, the Die Hard 2, mm. Majesty's Secret Service, something about snow action mm. films. Yeah. They just don't. You should pitch that to one of your producers here. Get yourself <laughs> out of the snow. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing that obviously gets skipped over about Stallone quite a lot is the writer side of it. Yeah. People don't know. And director. Yeah. Very talented director, very talented writer. The man's film literate is a machine. <laughs> you know, when you've been doing it that long, you know everything backwards. I was very gracious enough to be able, you know... The funny thing was, when I, when I first flew out to Italy to do Cliffhanger, I was... His villa wasn't ready. And I was in a beautiful hotel. And I was laying there on my bed, sort of sitting there looking at the script, and there was this tapping on the, on the, on the wall. And I was like, what is that? And uh, I went outside to open the door. And as I opened the door, he opened the door. And he come out and he had a putter in his hands. He was obviously putting in, the, in the, the hotel room. And we sort of met and I was like, oh, sly, Mr. Stallone, I, I, I just want to say thank you. But I was in s- such awe of him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Literally, I was like, it was like meeting, it was like meeting royalty. I was like, because I was a, a young actor and I was so impressed by him and looked up to him to actually meet him in the flesh and shake his hand and him say to me, no, you know, you're right for the role, there's a reason why he was picked, this is not the holy grail, remember that, we can change things, we can do this, we can do that. And I'm standing there, and that night I went in a shower, and as I walked past the room, the door was open, and he was laying there with Kip, mm. and I just stood there and stared at him for about a minute, and Kip, and I thought, it's fucking Stallone. <laughs> it was mad, mad, mad experience. Just totally larger than life. Larger than life, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was 30 years ago now. It's frightening. And uh, if he taps it for all Expendables, do you think he'd be up for it? Because he's talking about doing another one, isn't he? I'd be there like a rocket. <laughs> and I'm right for that fucking film. <laughs> yeah, I'd be perfect. You said earlier the discipline of kind of keeping yourself on top, keeping yourself in shape, still being able to be fit enough to be able to command the films that you make, that's something you learned from that time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, you, you, you do what you can... You, there's days, there's months where you let yourself go and you feel a little bit despondent or you question yourself. But, you know, when I'm working, I, I try to train regularly. I get up even earlier. I change my diet. I try, you know, you do everything. And I'm finding, you know, no matter how I fight against it, I'm always going to be sort of cast. I'm out, I please God, in my 60s and 70s, I'm, I'm always going to be a stature. You're always going to be cast in them roles. And as long as you've got a little bit of breath and you can throw a right hand... Mm. You know what I mean? Or it's someone over the head of a chair or a sword. You've got half a chance of getting a living. Do you know what I mean? Has your routine kind of getting ready for these roles kind of stayed the same? Have you got something that you do every time? Or no, really I just, I, yeah, I just, you know, I do a bit of bag work, a bit of weights, bit of just any, anything just to, to do some expenditure. I play yeah. golf. I try to walk. Do you know what I mean? It's just about stretching, just keeping not stiff, you know. Because it, it it gets harder. Some of the some of the fight scenes I've done as you get as you get older, they they, they, they do get they do get harder. You know, Good. and I don't have doubles. Yeah. I don't have doubles there because I've got the fucking money. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's he probably did have doubles, didn't he? In some of the things. <laughs> so. yeah. oh, he's got some great doubles. Mark yeah. Alessandro is he's he's a ringer for him. Um, who is his double on cliffhanger? He does all his films, um, but he also does a lot of stuff himself. You know, he's very, you know, he's into it, isn't he? Yeah. Well, making it look like it hurts is really important, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I might know the answer to this, but what do you think 
is Masterpieces, what do you think is the film that, if you have to watch one Stallone film, would it be First Blood, would it be Cliffhanger, where would... It'd be First Blood, yeah. I've got to think about it, yeah. I suppose second, it would be, it'd be one of the Rockies. Where do you err on in the Rocky series? Do you like it in the, in the early ones? or? Uh, uh, I like, number two was good, I felt. When it got to the, the latter ones, uh, I still watched them, but they had more heart in the earlier ones, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The Burgess Merediths and all that, you know. That's a really important film. Like Heart's really important. In oh, massively. Massively, because you, 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 you love him, you feel for him. You know, he's the underdog, isn't he? In spite of everything, in spite of the size and the other films. Yeah, 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 yeah the underdog. And that is, you know, getting back to villain. That's what's interesting about Eddie Franks. He's like, he's a tough geezer, but he's, he just wants to do the right thing, Yeah, you know. But you were talking earlier, obviously, about showing vulnerability. And in a lot of Stone's latter work, particularly in Creed and obviously the sequel, being vulnerable and facing death down is something that he's kind of recently started to explore, isn't it? Like yeah. Those things. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think as you get older, you can tap into that a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, growing old gracefully on screen is a difficult thing, isn't it, I think? <laughs> Massively. Yeah. If you're lucky enough to do it. Yeah. Well, Craig Fobos, thank you very much for letting us hear your inspiration. Thank you very much thank for having me. Yeah. Cheers. If you enjoyed today's episode, then why not join us next time when we'll be talking to actress Emily Beecham. She'll explain why the work of artist Richard Billingham has had a profound effect on her process. To get that and all the other episodes of My Inspiration, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Full information on today's episode, as well as all the others, can be found on our website. Just visit hmb.com forward slash podcast for full details. (laughs) 